You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. What was once science fiction has become reality. When discussing Star Trek, the original series, and the experience of seeing it in its time, famed astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson said that he thought the one piece of technology that he'd never see come to reality was an automatic door, one that slides open with a chime and a swoosh. In this day and age, I'd be willing to bet that we've seen... That we've all seen someone pause at a door in a supermarket and wait for it to open, not realizing that they'd actually have to push or pull. And if we're honest, we'll admit to doing that from time to time Guilty. ourselves. Yeah. There aren't many wonders of science fiction which we look at and say, I doubt we'll ever accomplish that. Technology progresses at such an incredible rate that we know from experience that we'll eventually realize so many of those feats. We may not have hoverboards yet in mass production, as Back to the Future would have had us believe, but they actually exist. From there, it's a simple, simple matter of continually improving upon the technology while finding innovative ways of lowering the production costs. But that's a hoverboard. What about the big two, as I like to call them? In my opinion, there are two things which we will never see in our lifetime, and that is faster than light travel and true artificial intelligence, which qualifies as sentient. But that won't stop exceptionally intelligent people from trying, and it is upon their research and failed experiments, which future generations will build upon when they finally attain these goals. We've had several films this year deal with both space travel and AI, but we're going to stick to AI, covering Chappie, the Neil Blomkamp film, starring an instantly lovable robot, who gains sentience thanks to a rogue programmer, Ex Machina, which forces us to seriously consider how humanity will interact with sentient AI when that eventuality does confront us, and Avengers Age of Ultron, which takes all of that, tosses in some heroes in tights and capes, and more explosions than in 15 seasons of Mythbusters. It sounds like a great episode, doesn't it? Well, I'm excited. It will be when we record it in a couple of weeks. You see, I saw a movie last week, and I thought we should discuss it. This film had been heavily anticipated and experienced a very unique reception thanks to people's views on certain hot topic subjects. What wound up happening is that some people even liked it more because of the reaction it caused in other groups of people, and you don't see that all that often. I think the best description I read about it came from a webcomic, whose name escapes me, which discusses how the film came to represent more of a spearhead for the recent push toward feminist ideas after they saw how much it pissed off misogynistic men who questioned why there should be strong independent women in an action film. And this is 
this is what bothers me most about Mad Max Fury Road. Now, before I continue, I want to make something spectacularly well understood. Both Vince and I believe that we need powerful stories featuring kick-ass women that not only passes the fabled Bechdel test, but basically obliterates the need to ever have such a thing again. It's a fantasy, I know, but we will keep pushing towards it regardless. However, to paraphrase Anita Sarkeesian, you can love something and still be critical of it. And I will be critical of this film. Certainly not because of the strong female characters, but rather because I believe they deserve better than a film where all that truly occurs is a group of people drive in a straight line to escape danger, then they turn around and drive back the same way, back into said danger. And let's be brutally honest, while the quote-unquote boss takedown was fairly cool, the return to the home base was all manner of anticlimactic. So buckle in, folks, as I think I've completely infuriated Vince, and this promises to be an interesting episode of Popcorn Ronin. Directed by George Miller, Mad Max Fury Road stars Charlene Theron and Tom Hardy. I fixed the billing order for you, George. That's a great quote. There's a great quote <laughs> for uh, from an interview with Miller where he said that he wanted to create a film where there are strong kick-ass women and it's never questioned. He even went so far as to get his wife, who'd never edited a film, to edit it, saying, because if a guy did it, it would look like every other action movie. In addition to talking about the movie today, we're also going to cover the recent comic books that actually added a lot of backstory, especially in the case of Furiosa's character. Shall we start with, how many times have you seen this movie, Vince? I've just seen it the once. Oh, okay. I thought you'd actually I wanted to, see to go see it again in like the super fancy like digital theater, but I never got around to it. Okay. You have not everybody necessarily follows you on Twitter, so not everybody's going to realize the extent of your fandom for this movie. I loved this film. Like I was blown away and I think it was a solid two weeks before I stopped talking about it at every possible opportunity. All right. I'm going to give you your chance now to completely sell me on why this was the best thing ever. Because you've I'm, gone so far as to say this is your favorite movie in years. And and when you said that, you didn't say, oh, this is my favorite action movie in the last few years. You've point blank said your favorite movie in the last few years. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with more the visual side of things like the story was solid i like i really liked a lot of the characters i'm sure we'll dive more into that as we uh go along but just for a movie that you sit down in a theater for two hours and you have an experience both visually on audio and just the general feel and the design the way it was shot the way it was edited like it was just the most incredible movie-going experience I can remember in a long time. While I will agree that in terms of the obvious visuals, it was spectacularly well done, and the stunts. I mean, again, if you look at the manner in which Miller directed it, it kind of made me think of Guardians, because he was saying how he didn't want mm-hmm. it to look like the post-apocalyptic movies we've seen to date, where it's all desaturated colors and very bleak. He wanted saturated colors, lots of color, and things like that. And then most of it, there's there's actually very little 
CGI in it as well because most of it is actual stunts. So when you look at those aspects, sure, yeah, very well done and whatnot. But I keep going back to you need more than that. And a lot of the story, and I'm actually going to say a lot of the, and I'm going to use lore. And for anybody who knows us, we do the For the Lore comic and we talk about lore a lot. And there's that distinction between lore, which is just the world, the characters, Mm -hmm. the backstory, the blah, 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 and story. The lore around this is spectacular, is really good. And you actually get a lot more of that in the three comics, especially the Furiosa one. The the other two, I personally did not think were nearly as good, but I really like the Furiosa comic. And I, I think, think as that, far as world building, the Immortan Joe one did a did a lot to yeah to set up the world as it is. Yes, but for the characters, for myself, I when I looked at the three comics, the Furiosa one is the one that I thought. That should have been in the movie, but mm-hmm. because they just wanted a car chase, a two hour car chase, we didn't get that. And it's that choice to have a two hour car chase that is the biggest hurdle for me for this film because it meant that you lost out on so much story wise with the film. I will agree, but it's one of those things where there was so much subtle storytelling. I didn't mind the absence of the overt uh, story elements. Okay. Because I I went into the movie expecting two hours worth of cars and explosions. I got two hours worth of cars and explosions with some really good subtle character development on the side. Yeah. See, again, it's it's all about those expectations. Mm -hmm. And – I think a lot of that has to do with the fact you heard people talk about this movie for a month before oh, yeah, you saw it. Yeah. Yeah. So you had much different expectations going in than I did. My expectations were really high. <laughs> okay. That being said, I'm still capable of objectively looking at mm-hmm. something while it's playing and also once it's done and saying, okay, yeah, I was expecting a nine in terms of story and everything else and cool characters and I got a six or seven. Had I gone in just wanting to see a crazy action movie, maybe I wouldn't have been as disappointed. Certainly. Had there not been as much press regarding the 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 misogynistic slant that, well, not just viewers, but the media as well, those stupid questions, especially that Jeez. one guy. Um, so you had, like, a lot of that going on. But I think that... In lieu of any actual, you know, a, a real action film with an actual story as well that also had these same strong female characters, in lieu of having that, we're clinging to this going, okay, well, it's a step in the right direction or, you know, yeah, this was fantastic because, but it's like, I keep thinking, no, we needed so much more than what this gave us. And I refuse to be the one that, that, that bows down and says, yeah, but it's a step in. No, I would have liked to have seen so much more in this because going into it, uh, having 
experienced all again all the press the the freaking tons of comics the comic books the everything everybody talking about it in social media and get bombarded with all of these impressions of what it was going to be and then watching it and realizing that yeah there are some strong characters in there strong female characters but not all of them and See, I think what a lot of it was, and I'm going to try and put some of this in perspective, is so many people have been waiting for, you know, their their female heroes, if you will. Like, how much criticism do we always hear about the Black Widow in the Avengers mm-hmm. movies? Because they want her to be more of a central focus. Uh, same thing with Wonder Woman. And oh God, what was that Scarlett Johansson movie came that came out this year with the brain powers? I know what you're talking about. I can't remember. Like, so, yeah, yeah, like people were like, oh, that, you Lucy. know, this is, and they've been wanting, yeah, Lucy, they've been wanting a movie that presents, you know, these strong women as the, the headlining and central focus of the stories. And they've been disappointed at so many turns when they have a movie that does it at least a little right. You know how the internet works. Everything is cranked to 11 and it suddenly yeah. becomes the greatest thing ever. And that was part of the problem because when, as I'm watching it, and I know that it's called Mad Max. <laughs> so Max, quote unquote, should be the central character in this story. But because of all the hype surrounding it, I thought that it was actually primarily going to be Charlize Theron's character that was the main character. And that, you know, Max is being taken along for a ride here. Quite mm-hmm. literally at times. And and I was all right with that. I liked that idea. That that the central character was actually just someone who was had no control at any point over what was happening to him in the story. And that it was these women that were saving him and things like that. So when and and again, this this is all in my head for the most part because I didn't read the actual script and I didn't, you know, but I was basing it off of what people were saying and then imagining, oh, this would be cool if it was this. Meanwhile, I watch it and that is so far from what this is. Yes, they work together, but there are still many, many points where it's either Max or Nux who's taking charge Mm -hmm. and doing things that, oh, these girls can't fix an engine because they're, you know, these... I don't want to call them concubines because that's the wrong term kind of thing, but whatever. And I it's like, I think that's an unfair term. Well, yeah. So, so, so as I'm watching it and all of these occurrences keep happening where the male characters are the one taking charge or doing whatever and all that. And I'm going, oh, this is what, what the hell's going on? And certainly there are moments that yeah, there's, are, there's several scenes where Furiosa is, you know, the one to save the day or the most important the, character. Exactly. In the scene. Yeah. Even sh- some of the girls get, you know, their hero moments, but, yeah, you're right. The guys were important in the movie too. They weren't just there on the side like some people kind of held the movie up to be. Yeah, and, and and that disappointed me to no end. So again, part of my disappointment with the film, I will fully admit, is my opinions, my my thoughts on what it was going to be going in and being disappointed that it's not that. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's on me. But the elements where I'm looking at the film and I'm seeing – Again, such a lack of story, 
and then also cliches that have been done before and all this other stuff that you're looking and saying, if this was just guys and there, and it was, you know, they were rescuing a couple of guys were rescuing a couple of other prisoners or whatever. And it was all just dudes going down. I think this would have petered out of chatter pretty fast. It still would have been, if it was that exact same movie, like you're saying, it still would have been held up by a lot of, you know, the film crowd as being very well shot, you know, being a very good film in and of itself, but it wouldn't have the same cultural appeal that it does currently. Exactly. And it would have been very much just a, if you feel like watching a brainless action flick that's just beginning to end action, here, watch this, you'll love it. But if you want a good film, something that has a story that you can actually appreciate and 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 kind of hold the film up in a higher regard because of it kind of thing, and that ain't this. And again, that's why I keep going back to it. Like it's a st- it's a story where they drive in a line straight mm-hmm. line and then back up, turn around, and come back the same way. It, it had more story than I was expecting. And I said, and a lot of that was subtle, but that doesn't mean it had a great story. There's a difference. Yeah. So again, and it, it's hard to talk about this film. I, I, we saw it and uh, it was myself, my wife and my, my, my youngest. And, and even my wife was watching it going, mm, whatever. And let me put it to you this way. <laughs> I know when my wife has kind of lost interest. When the iPad comes out and she pulls up either Scrabble or Bejeweled or something. <laughs> That's my clue where, okay, it's obviously lost her interest. Sometimes that happens in the first 10 minutes. Sometimes she'll make it throughout the whole film and not pull it out. This one here, she pulled it out. And I think it was around the halfway mark. And it was like, I see the light come on of the iPad. It was like, oh, there it is. And she's playing Scrabble. So... <laughs> She watched it. She stayed and watched the rest of it. But even she was saying like at the end, because I was explaining, because she's not as much on social media as myself. And, uh, and so I was explaining the reception it's had and, and the opinions and the reviews and different things and how highly reviewed this show is. Like I'm in the minority when I criticize this film because it's so freaking widely regarded. And she was saying the same thing, like, meh. It was an action film, and that was pretty much it. And and even then, the, the female characters, while some were strong, and there were moments, overall, this was not the movie where... This was not the movie that misogynistic men should be bitching about, because it wasn't enough. It would have had to have been quite literally what I'm talking about, the women completely owning the show, taking over, Max has no control. Then the men would have been like... Well, Christ, the dudes didn't do anything. And then everybody would have been, welcome to the other gender. I'm sure you know it doesn't take much to set off those internet douchebags. Oh, no, no, I know that. remember, the discussions and arguments and boycotts started three days before the movie came out. (laughs) So, again, I, I fully recognize that. It's just that I keep going back to, this was not enough. And and. And I'm saying that not just based on the the reception it's gotten, not just based off of my expectations even. It's just, again, I... Well, it's because Miller didn't go in 
with the intention of making this big feminist film. He just went in with waking a, what, the goal of making a good movie with good characters. And honestly, I felt he was kind of agnostic over whether or not the characters are male or female as far as the roles they played in the film outside of, you know, the wives being the wives. Well, the wives being the wives and the boys being the boys. The, the, right, but I'm talking Joe's about as far boys, as, so like, importance else. to the story. Yeah, I, and there was an interview with him, too, where he said he wanted to make a film where, you know, the women were just badasses and you don't have to explain why. When you meet up with the the, the motorcycle gang, the granny all the biker gang yeah. is the greatest thing in this movie. And it's not explained why or how come there's no man with him and things like that. It's, this is just the way that it is. And you believe that they're badasses. And it's like, that was great. We need more of that. And when Charlize's character is, is being completely badass, it's like, yeah, this was great. And, and, there are moments throughout with various female characters that do that. Again, I keep going back to, but it wasn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. I needed more. I actually needed story. Even in an action film, I expect some story. And just having a, 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 an action movie where the story is actually just the lore and there's no actual story, that's not good enough for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm I, it never really was, but as I'm getting older, now it's like, no, I I, I, I don't want to just turn my brain off. I want action that makes me think, and that is actually possible. And especially when you think of it in terms of action that makes you think, that incorporates strong women, because that hasn't been done enough, nearly enough, there's a wealth of opportunities there's so much you can do that hasn't been done. And so a lot of my disappointment is missed opportunities with this show. And I think you're going to find a lot of parallels between this and our Pacific Rim episode because that's another movie where I got a lot more out of it yes. than you did. Yeah. And it also had a very similar kind of cultural impact as far as Rinko Kikuchi's character yeah. with uh, Mako Mori. How, the, again, the perception of the character – in popular culture and how she's actually portrayed in the film aren't quite on equal footing because again, that's a movie that got it a little bit right. And because people want that so badly, it got held up as perhaps a little more important than it actually was. And so is this what we have to do now in order to incrementally keep getting better moments like that in movies that we have to hold in such high regards Films like this that have so little of what we want, but it's there. So let's praise this to end to to, to high hell just so that Hollywood hears that we want more of this. Is that what we have to do? I don't have an answer to that question. Because we have to pay with our wallets. We have to, Mm -hmm. our opinions have to be heard with money. So maybe that is what they need to hear. I Again, going back to the Lucy argument, as much as I want to see a great movie, you know, starring Scarlett Johansson as a badass action hero, that movie looked like crap to me. So I didn't have any interest in seeing it, regardless of what it represents. I actually saw the movie. I have different opinions of that movie, but we're not. I, talking I about haven't that one. seen it. I just yeah. from what I saw, yeah. it looked like I wasn't going to like it. Yeah. So so there maybe, you go. Maybe so, with the new Ghostbusters movie, we'll we'll be better off. <laughs> Kind of wigging out about that too. No kidding. <laughs> In both directions. Oh, God. Okay, well, 
Again, what were some of your favorite parts? What what are things that you would want to talk about with this movie? And I, I know I'm putting lot... you on the spot because no. you were not expecting this. Not at all. I had to pull up some different <laughs> notes really quickly while you were talking. <laughs> it's fun putting you on the spot every once in a while. That's great. No, like, I think we've said a lot about Furiosa. And like a couple, like I said, I keep coming back to a lot of the subtle elements like Max and Tom Hardy's portrayal of Max. He had what? five lines really in the entire movie but he still acted his ass off like there was a lot of his facial expressions like the way he moved and a, a lot of the subtle acting i thought really brought a lot to that character without him having to talk because let's face it it's mad max he yeah. doesn't need to say a lot to make an impact well max doesn't talk much so mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of fit and and he even went so far as to incorporate some of the acting styles of of gibson um like with the facial tics and the little kind of movements and whatnot, even though this isn't quote unquote that max, you know, he still wanted to have the little tie-ins and, and I agree. He did a good job with playing the silent psychotic type. He did. <laughs> he worked it. And, and a lot of the, the scenes in the movie, like the, the fight scene with the car door, like the, the way, you know, you had four different parties involved, each with different, you know, uh, goals in mind and it was a fight scene that kind of had some character development to it of you know what's max more interested in what's nux care about you know the interactions between the various people but or like the scene where he's trying to get the the stupid mask off his face like it's it's again it's just a lot of those little subtle elements with max that i really enjoyed yeah he did sign on for another three which is Surprising that they're going to do another the planning three of them, but uh, ask George Miller about that because, as he said, I'd like to do more, but I'm also seventy years old. Yeah, yeah, seriously, <laughs> thirty. You can't do another thirty year gap between them. I, I, I think unless uh, Miller finds a suitable protege, we may get one more. Unless he signs off on somebody else going, okay, he's the one in charge of the yeah. franchise now. I, I think maybe we'll see one more movie, and that'll be it. Well, hell. The studio will just get somebody else to do it after he dies anyways. I think it's – I, I don't know if the studio has the rights to it. Really? OK. That I didn't know. That I don't know. Because I know he's been trying to make this movie for, God, 15 years. Well, actually – I think he, he was – he's almost made this movie three times. Like he was going to make it once and then like there was uh, – because where, where was this filmed? Uh, in, in Namibia. And that's Namibia. why it was and there was like a, yeah. you know yeah, there was all kinds of issues going on there, so they had to cancel the filming. They were ready to go again, and that was when Heath Ledger was cast as Max, and, well, we know what happened yeah. to him, <laughs> so they had to scrap production again. So, and, and throughout a lot of it, he was having to go to different studios for you know, like the actual funding and stuff. So I think Miller is the one that controls hmm. the, the rights to the franchise, not Warner Brothers. Yeah, Gibson was actually supposed to be in it. But yeah, that was that's, around how, the time that's how long of, ago he yeah. was trying to make this movie. The Passion no, of Gibson the Christ. was still relevant. Yeah. People actually wanted to still work with him <laughs> and watch his movies. And then he did The Passion of the Christ. <laughs> Things went downhill from there. <laughs> but yeah, the, the Namibia stuff is... Uh, there was all kinds of travel restrictions because mm-hmm. it was the, start, uh, it was the uh, Iraq War at the time. So they, they couldn't do it. And it was like, wow, that's that's a long bloody time ago. Of course, that yeah. war was forever too. Um, and that's why when they're asking, like, you know, what about the next movie? And, he, and Miller's always like, you have any idea how long it took me to make this one? Yeah. <laughs> do you know how old I'm going to be by the time the next one comes out? So in terms of the cinematography, 
again, getting away from, from the story elements and whatnot, the cinematography, you certainly cannot deny how amazing it was. Uh, very little CGI. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Hardy actually had his nose broken during this. Did you read that? No, I missed that bit. Yeah, Charlize Theron broke his nose with her green cast <laughs> <laughs> for the CGI so that they could remove the arm for that prosthetic arm that she wears. So I thought that was hysterical. And that was fabulously well done. There were parts where I was like, did she actually take her arm off for this role? It, <laughs> she already shaved her head. You know, what, <laughs> how far is she going to go? That arm prosthetic looked so bloody real. It was unbelievable. Yes. I couldn't get over it. And I know the special effects. I mean, you can't freaking watch Guardians of the Galaxy for Christ's sake. It's not hard to see uh, what you can do with with special effects. But man, did it ever look good. Just so realistic at every turn. And and so, yeah. But it's also the fact that they used so little CGI throughout the movie that, at least in the back of your head, you're, you're... you're thinking that's real because when you're watching the movie, even from a critical standpoint, you're like, okay, that's CGI, that's CGI. Everything else was real. So you're just assuming – you're assuming everything is real unless it has to be CGI. Yeah. The, the thing with that is that and, – and it's good that div, directors and such understand that we can more often than not tell the difference between the actual stunt work and CGI. And when it's relevant to the work, if it can be done with old school stunt actors and whatnot and careful planning and and things like that, it makes such a difference when you're watching it because you as the viewer are then even more invested because you can quite literally look at this flying actor on a pole going back and forth going, oh my God, is that real? Like that might actually be real. And you worry for the actor as well. <laughs> you're like, Jesus Christ, that's ridiculous. And so it gives that weight then to every accident, every car flip, every hanging out the window, whatever. You know that there's a person attached to that and that, yes, they take their, they're obviously careful in everything that they do, but there's, you know, these stunt actors mm-hmm. get hurt for a reason that, and that reality is there. And that was really, really cool. Yeah. I think one of the best bits I heard about that was, uh, I think it was over on Birth Movies Death. They were doing like a recap of uh, an interview that they'd had with George Miller. And they were talking about this scene at the end where they crashed the war rig. And they're like, there's no way that was real. That had to be CGI. Like, and George Miller's like, no, that was real. We spent a week planning that stunt. We have four of the best stuntmen in the business and an awful lot of math, but we actually crashed that truck just how you see it in the film. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think that was CGI, actually. When I saw it, I, I didn't die. Like, but like, I can understand people going, especially in this day and age, yeah. well, that had to be fake. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it is true. Like, I'm not trying to, to sound so full of myself that I can always tell the difference. No, often you can't, but. You, there are some things that you, you can tell the difference. And uh, and again, the cinematography throughout was spectacular. And, and not just cinematography, just the overall feel and design. Yeah, yeah. Like you look at a Morton Joe's war band and there's a reason the Doof Warrior is the coolest thing on the planet. <laughs> so like, you know, stuff like that. Like just the amount of detail that they put into every character, every car – Everything you see on the screen was designed and made that way for a reason, and it comes across. 
Yeah, yeah. When I say yeah, the the special effects, I'm including everybody who does design work and whatnot. The cool thing about this too is, and and again, when I when I bitch about a movie that's just cars going fast in a straight line and coming back, understand that this is coming from somebody who actually loves racing movies and 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 actually racing games and all that stuff. So I love this car stuff. I really love it. So for me to be critical of it, keep that in mind as well. So, but, but looking at the movie, this is one of those movies where the cars are just as much actors in the, the movie mm-hmm. than, than the actors kind of thing the, the cars mean something for everybody. So when you're, you're, you're it was at the, the bullet farmer. Was he more important as a character because of who he was or because of the car he was yeah. driving? Yeah. So a lot of that was was very cool and you really appreciate the work that went into crafting each of the cars so that they could have their own individual personalities and, 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 and whatnot. And then when you read the comic books, especially the, 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 the Max one, again, you don't necessarily realize how important Miller's making cars in this story until – you watch more of the movie and then read some of the things as well. Like in the max one, it's all about him winning an engine, like these Mm -hmm. gladiator battles where people are dying for an engine. And then you also have all of, um, and Joe's followers, the, 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 the boys and all that. And, and then you have their symbol of the V8 engine with the pistons like that. They actually revere, <laughs> well, it's it's part of the lore. That's the exactly. most important thing in the world. You have a good car with a good engine. You can get water. You can get safety. You, you can get a wife or four. Like that is the the power in this fictional future they've created. That and gas. And when you are seeing them pulling along this gas thing, and uh, and again the importance of fuel because. Again, it's post-apocalyptic, and mm. that's what's going to happen. Our reliance on fuel is going to come back to bite us in the ass one day. <laughs> so that's something that you see also, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's in the, the Nux and Immortan, Immort, Immortan Joe comic as well, too. They, there's a little bit on Nux, which I thought was cute. He's basically their mascot, yeah. idiot mascot. And then the rest was, was all on Joe. That one was all right. I mean, it shows, like you were saying, how they... Got this. As a comic, as a story, it was okay, but as far as what it means to the world, it was important. Yeah. And it briefly discusses that. Again, the assignment of duties for the oil refinery and the bullet farm, which they kind of gloss over in the movies, and you get Mm -hmm. a little bit more in here. So, anything else you want to? talk about this this is your chance right now Mm -hmm. i i kind of want to wrap back around to the characters and give nicholas holt his due for what he did with nux because again that was a very subtle character like where he started at the beginning of the movie as you know like you said the mascot for the war band you know the poster boy for for the war boys you know and somebody who's willing to give his life to a morton joe multiple times throughout the first half of the movie and falling short and the character arc he goes through so that by the end, actually finding something worth dying for, again, very subtle, but his portrayal of what I thought was a throwaway character was probably my favorite part of the movie. No probably about it for me. And, and see, that was another thing that, that bothered is the wrong term, but 
in the interest of saving time, bothered me about it is that the most powerful story, character arc story, was for this boy, this man. It wasn't for any of the women in there. It was him who had the best story arc, period. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I'd tell some of the best acting as well. Like his, some of his scenes were spectacular and and not all that subtle, like you're saying. It's like in your face as well, where he's having to deal with this idea of individuality for himself and not just wanting to die for Joe, but also understanding that there's beauty elsewhere and things like that. So, like, his story arc was phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. Anything else? I, I just loved the movie. Like, it's... I, I'm sure you liked it, but you didn't love it is the, the general aesthetic I'm getting out of you. But again, I sat down in the theater like I was excited for just a big bombastic action movie. And I got that. And what I got on top of it just made me more happy. Like I said, I, I had much different expectations going in. Yeah. So I think I was able to kind of separate the, the movie from the culture surrounding it a little easier. And I can understand like I can look at the movie critically and go, yes, the story presented on the screen was lacking but i'm still young enough that i can accept a nice good pure action movie what the hell is that supposed to mean shut <laughs> the hell up <laughs> jesus well, again there's there's a lot of things that were good about it like and and a lot of interesting things as well something that i hadn't actually thought about is uh until i read it like miller actually told the cinematographer to make sure that the, the actors were always in the center of the shot mm-hmm. and telling them to keep the crosshairs on her nose for, for Theron. And, and it's not something until you, you go back and you watch and you go, that's what it is. As you're watching it, there's just something that's, that's different and far more focused. And, and that's something that he said is again, like when you're most films, you have to sometimes look for, okay, where's the central? Where am I supposed to be looking? What's going on here? Whereas this is like, boom, center of the screen. That's who's important. She's the one. Watch her. See, it is one of those things where I got, I forget where I saw this, but it was an actual really good breakdown of, you know, stills from the movie compared to stills from other big action films like uh, Avengers or, you know, Transformers. And using Miller's shooting method as compared to, a lot of what's accepted as the proper way to shoot a movie and where your eye is drawn. And again, you look at it and it's like, okay, what's the most important thing going on on the screen in the Mad Max movie? And it's, you know, Furiosa, it's Max. What's the most important thing going on in Avengers or Transformers? It's somebody's usually almost always a female character's body parts is where your eye is naturally drawn. And even along those same lines, Miller said he cast all these gorgeous women in the film and they were very rarely the central focus of a lot of the shots. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I feel bad for them, but I did what was best for the movie. Where, and that's a huge difference between Fury Road and any other blockbuster you'll see these days. I'll try and track down the link to that because it was actually a really good read by somebody who knows, like ac- actually knows cinematography and shot composition from a Hollywood point of view. Yeah, that's a, yeah. It, it is something that on second watch after you've kind of looked into it a little bit more that you really appreciate. And I love when they do stuff like that. And also I read an interview with uh, Melissa Jaffer, who was one of the uh, badass grannies. Did you know they did their own stunts? <laughs> oh, 
That is awesome. She's like, the stuntmen kept trying to do stuff for us, but no. It's like, she's like, the last four roles I had, I was either somebody's dying grandmother or somebody's dead grandmother. George gave me a motorcycle and a sniper rifle. You better bet I'm going to use it as much as possible. That is awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> they didn't do all their own stunts, but they did as many as they could talk the crew into. <laughs> That's hysterical. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> and again, it's just one of those little things. Like Again, Miller didn't set out to do anything revolutionary. He just made the movie he wanted to make yep. with the characters he wanted to put into it. And the fact that it did catch on so strongly with certain elements uh, of pop culture and society I think is great. Well, yes and no. I mean he did to a certain degree. I mean he worked with the, the writer of the vagina yeah. monologues to pr- well, make sure that, that he's portrayed. Well, I was just more to f- make sure the characters were portrayed. <gasps> yeah, correctly. but what I'm saying is that he knew going in – obviously. I'm, I'm sorry, but you're going to mm-hmm. a, a, a feminist and a writer like Eve Ensler and saying, hey, can you make sure I'm doing right by these female characters? Then you know that – you want to have an impact with the female characters. Right. You want it to I'm be just saying there's a right. difference between wanting to do it right and wanting to do something important from a pop culture point right. of view. Yeah, yeah. So no, and, and for that I do – you have to praise the film. And, and like and I said, it, the fact that he did do it right is kind of what made it appear to be more important than maybe it actually is. Yeah. So that's going to wrap up the episode. Thank you for listening. It is always fun to have these little surprise episodes. I don't do them often enough, I think. I should spring more stuff on you, just for the hell of it. It's fun. I like it. It is. And this one here, I did spring it on you, knowing fully that you were, you knew the show, and you knew the the, the comic, so it wouldn't be too big a surprise. And we will be doing our AI episode in a couple of weeks, hopefully, um, because it is an episode that I am very, very much still looking forward to to talking about. AI is one of those things that I'm always fascinated by. I love writing about it, reading about it, so it, it will be a lot of fun. So make sure to stop by the site at popcornrunning.com, leave us your comments, let us know what you thought about this movie. You can also find us on Twitter. Myself is at ZenBuddhist and Vince is at Samodian. And with that, we'll see you in a few weeks. For more TV, movie, and anime reviews, please make certain to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out their Comic Book Informer podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, manellijamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. 